Over the past few weeks there have been various reports about empty shelves in supermarkets. There have been various reasons given for this state of affairs, but each report seems to end with the entreaty not to panic buy. But when it comes to food supplies, people naturally enough want to ensure that they have a reliable supply. Did you know that there is only one miracle of Jesus that is recorded in all four gospel writers and it concerns food? We heard about it a couple of weeks back and we know it as the feeding of the 5,000. So I'm going to give a brief recap. Jesus was out in the country and had a huge crowd of people that had gathered because he'd been healing the sick. And it's getting late and it's clear that many of these people were not going to have any food to eat. So Jesus charges the disciples to take care of that. When they point out that they don't have the resources to do such a thing, Jesus asks what resources they do have. And a little boy's packed lunch of five loaves of bread and two fish is brought forward and miraculously multiplies into enough to feed everyone with plenty of leftovers. People were so excited by what had happened, they decided that they wanted to make Jesus king. I mean, if he could do this, what could he do to the Roman occupiers? But Jesus wasn't looking to be king, at least not in the sense that they understood a king. And so John tells us that he withdrew. He took off across the lake to avoid the crowd. But the people wouldn't let him get away that easily. And so by verse 25, where our reading today began, the crowd had found Jesus again on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And I just love the conversation that unfolds. It goes something like this, and I have to say I'm paraphrasing here. The crowd says to Jesus, how did you manage to get away from us? But Jesus ignores their question and responds, look, the only reason you are even interested in me is because you want another free meal. But there is something more important in life than free food. Our lives need spiritual food, the kind that lasts to eternity. It's a food which only God can give, and that's really what you should be seeking. The crowd are interested. Okay, food that lasts forever, that sounds good. So how do we get it? And Jesus answers, believe in me. Now, although the people are interested, they really still want another miracle. They still want the food. So they tell Jesus, okay, tell you what, you show us some proof that you're from God and then we'll believe in you. Now, remember, these are the same people who had just experienced the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. And now they want a repeat performance. They want more proof. And so they say to Jesus, how about doing the miracle Moses did? You know the one, feeding the people of Israel day after day with manna. And then to top it all off, to kind of corner him, they quote a little scripture. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's almost as if they think that by throwing in a Bible verse, they can manipulate or guilt Jesus into giving them what they want, something to satisfy their physical hunger. But Jesus keeps trying to switch the subject to their deeper level of need for spiritual food. And so he tells them, you know, it wasn't Moses that gave them the manna. It was God. And it's only God who can give you spiritual food as well. And then he adds, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus keeps trying to tell them that he has so much more to offer, but they keep pushing aside the spiritual diet he was offering. Too often we can be tempted to do that when it comes to our spiritual diet. And when that happens, we need to hear what Jesus is trying to say to the crowd. That he has so much more to offer, that he has prepared a banquet and that he has invited us to feast, a feast that will satisfy our deepest hungers and thirsts forever. And what he offers us is a sense of peace, strength and comfort as we face troubles and difficulties, a sense of belonging, the realisation that we are a person of worth, deserving of love and acceptance, and a knowledge that no matter what, God's love will never fail us. Jesus tells the crowd, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man will give you. And the work Jesus says that is necessary to find that spiritual food is simply to believe in him. Now, believing in someone can seem like an easy ask until it demands something more than lip service. There's a story from the mid-1800s about an amazing tightrope walker called the Great Blondin. Blondin is reported to have performed all sorts of amazing feats. On the 30th of June, 1859, when people heard he was going to walk across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, about 25,000 arrived by train and steamer to spread out along the banks on the American and Canadian sides to get the best view. But what set Blondin apart from all the other tightrope walkers that attempted this is that he knew how to engage with the crowds who came to watch him. Blondin would ask those who came to see his amazing feats, do you believe that I, the great Blondin, can successfully cross high above the river on a tightrope? And the crowd would yell back, we believe, and Blondin would walk across the rope. Then he would ask, do you believe that I, the great Blondin, can again cross over the Niagara River on this tightrope, blindfolded? And the crowd would cheer and they would shout, we believe. And that sort of routine would continue in a sack, pushing a wheelbarrow, until finally Blondin would ask, do you believe that I, the great Blondin, can successfully cross over the Niagara River on this tightrope with a man on my back. And by this point, the crowd was ready to believe anything. And so they would shout, we believe. And Blondin would wait for the shouts to die down. And then he would ask, who wants to go first? And there would be silence. But on one occasion, the feat was performed as Blondin carried his manager, Harry Colcord, across on his back. You see, there's believing and then there's believing. There's a believing that something is possible and there's a believing that requires taking a risk and trusting our very lives. Believing in Jesus is more than just believing that he existed or even that he was a great teacher. Believing in Jesus is about a relationship and all relationships have to be nurtured each and every day. It's about getting to know someone, accepting who they are and what they are about. That's how trust grows. 
That's the work of believing. So the question then for you and for me is the same one that Blondin would ask the crowds, do you believe? Here's the sad response of the crowd of Jesus' day. At this, the people began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? A kind of, let's put him in his place. We know him. He's just Joe's boy. They had no problem with Jesus, the lunch provider, Jesus, the miracle worker, Jesus, the healer. But Jesus, the bread of life, was a step too far. It required too much of a commitment from them. So they walked away. They wanted Jesus only for what they could get out of him, as long as it didn't demand anything of them. Verse 66 goes on to tell us this sad comment. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And in those moments, we see Jesus feeling what any of us would feel, the pain of rejection. And so he asks his 12 closest followers a question, you do not want to leave too, do you? It sounds so plaintive. But Simon Peter answers for the twelve, Lord, where shall we go? For you alone have the words of the eternal life. Peter and the other close disciples weren't there for free food or to start a Jewish revolt against Rome by crowning a new king or to hold the greatest show on earth featuring the miracle performing Jesus. They were there because they believed and knew that Jesus was the Holy One of God, the Messiah, the bread of life. All they needed was what they already had, a relationship with Jesus himself. I wonder if we had been there that day when Jesus preached the Bread of Life sermon, if we would have walked away because we weren't getting what we expected or wanted or because it was demanding too much. Or would we have echoed Peter's words, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. As we go into this week, as we lift a slice of bread, cut a slice of bread, look for bread in the supermarkets, let's have that story at the back of our minds and let's challenge ourselves and ask ourselves the question, do we believe in the one who says he is the bread of life?